Welcome to Learn Videography, a podcast dedicated to mastering the art and business of becoming a full-time videographer. Presented by Industry Jump. Hosted by director Kyle Loftus and producer JJ England. Let's go. Welcome back to Learn Videography, your podcast to learn everything you need to know about becoming a full-time videographer. As always, I'm here with my co-host Kyle Loftus and our special guest for today, Matt Alonzo, a director and filmmaker in Los Angeles, California. How are we doing, gentlemen? Fantastic. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing amazing. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it and uh, excited to be on here. Stoked to have you on here. Thanks so much for making the time. For our listeners, throughout this episode, we'll talk to Matt about how he got started as a filmmaker and then dive into talking about the future of media production, where we see trends going, and how we can all prepare ourselves for the road ahead. So, Matt, let's let's get right into it by starting off by finding out how you got started as a filmmaker. What is your origin story? My origin story. Well, it it began a long, long time ago, somewhere around 1987, I, I believe, maybe 86. I was about one, one or two years old. My dad decided to buy a video camera and just document my life, um, which at the time I was not a fan of. Uh, I'd be like waking up and the camera was just in my face all the time. I was I was really grouchy on camera a lot in the beginning stages because <laughs> I just didn't understand <laughs> what was going on. Um, but I, right, I began right. to see the uh, the connection between the camera or this you know this device and my parents' emotions and the way they would sit down uh, on the weekends or when company would come over and they would show them you know the videos and and they would laugh and smile and you know it, it made them happy and excited and I obviously as a child wanted to make my parents happy so I decided to start picking the thing up and and filming um, my dad my mom my little sister and by I don't know eight eight eight, nine, 10 years old, I was making full-blown short films with uh, title credits. There you go. Um, yeah. So, uh, so uh, you know, ever since then, it's, it's just been something that um, has never left my side. Do you remember what camera you were using at that time? I don't remember the exact model, but it was, you know, big, big clunker VHS over the shoulder, you know, um, and I, I just had to, uh, you know, man up and, and put it on my shoulder as a little guy. Handheld you, from day one. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Do you, you kind of miss the days? Like, was was it, uh, obviously, so it was a camera where you literally, you know, you had to get that perfect take or, you know, you had to rewind it to that perfect spot to, like, redo it again. Do well, you kind of miss that? You know what's crazy is that I learned early on. I don't know how. I asked my dad and he doesn't really know how I learned either, but I connected a couple cords and I was able to connect two of our VCRs in the house so I learned how to edit by pausing and recording. Um, so I could I would shoot a, a, a couple takes on the VHS camera, put that into one VCR, and then on the second VCR I would have like a like a you know I'd probably just be filming over a movie, my dad's favorite movie or something, God Godfather <laughs> or something. But, but I put, put a little piece of tape over the over the you know the little place where you, they would they would cut it out to make it a master video. But then I'd be I'd have it on record pause, kind of like you, the way you would make a mixtape back in the nineties. And I would make like a mixtape uh, video, which was, you know, editing for me. So that's, I learned that pretty, pretty early on. Um, and I'm not sure exactly how, but uh, so I was, I was always a, an editor. <laughs> yeah, awesome, I, I can see it in your work, man. You've always been a phenomenal editor. When do you think you started to take it more professionally? I began to take it more professionally when I graduated high school. I, I played football my entire life, ever since I was six years old. So that was like my... That was, that was me. I was football. You know, I didn't really know, I didn't have another identity besides having the camera. It was like, 
this guy plays football and he always films. Mm -hmm. So once the, um, you know, my dream was over, which obviously I didn't, I didn't foresee me going to college for football, but once uh, I graduated high school, I had not too many other options. I was really talented in filmmaking and I, I knew that I could make a career out of this. I didn't really know what the career was going to be, but I knew that there was job opportunities for me in this line of work. So, um, so I decided to take it. I didn't really take it too seriously because I just couldn't afford to go to film school at first. And, um, but I knew that if I could, I think I, I thought I was going to do weddings and stuff like that around Santa Barbara. That was going to be kind of the, uh, you know, the, the high point of that career at that point, because I just couldn't afford to go to film school. Yeah. Did you grow up in right, Santa Barbara? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Born, well, born and raised in Carpinteria. Santa Barbara is the closest, you know, big city that people actually know. No one really knows Carpinteria too much. So I love it. I spent some years in Santa Barbara as well. Uh, oh, yeah. That was like the start of my filmmaking journey, too. So when you nice. when you got started as a filmmaker, what were some of the first projects that you were cutting your teeth with? You mean like as a youngster or as when like I got to like when you actually started getting going? OK, uh, so I shot a, my first music video in high school for a uh, Christian rapper, which was pretty funny, but uh, it was pretty interesting. But uh, so long story short, I ended up going to film school. My parents ended up refinancing the house and, you know, giving me the opportunity to go to film school. So that's when my, I would say, quote unquote, serious projects really began. And film school for me was was the most amazing opportunity. I was able to kind of grow as a filmmaker and, and work out all the kinks. So um, for the first, I don't know, eight months of my filmmaking career or film school career, I, we didn't actually shoot video. We only shot stills and they were teaching us you know how to how to light with a light meter and then how to tell a story with only a select few shots which now looking back it's it's it was such a um uh, a crucial uh, stage of my development as a filmmaker and um because you know as you start early on you want to include every moment you know the opening of the door uh locking the door first step out of the you know onto the porch <laughs> is, and then it really it, it really teaches you how to how to be selective and then what and, and and to understand that the audience is a lot smarter than you think. And so that was a really um, fun opportunity. And uh, yeah, so I shot, I got two, two more years after that to really develop my skills and kind of shoot some, some, some interesting projects, short film, um, 16 millimeter, um, things like that. So it, it was a great opportunity for me. And what, like, what specifically led or attracted you to music videos? And when did that turning point in your career happened where you know it just kind of almost all became music videos well when i was in film school i just you know i knew that my parents had taken a big risk and really you know it wasn't something that you know we could afford so i needed to take take it seriously so i started doing internships my end of my freshman year beginning of my sophomore year all the way through till i was uh, you know till i graduated one of the internships was for about a year and a half of the ending of my um, college days. And it was for a record company. And I was just editing and, sh you know, um, helping shoot a few music videos, but I was uh, primarily editing all their videos. And when I graduated, they fired all their staff and brought me in full time to be the, you know, the head of the head of production <laughs> wow. as uh, for this record company. And so that's kind of what, you know, just the opportunity presented itself. And obviously as a, you know, college graduate with zero money and uh, college debt, I just decided to, to go ahead and jump on that. Um, but I actually ended up walking away relatively quickly. I would say about six months. I just, uh, I was, I was stale. I was just, I was, I was at the, the highest 
um, possible level of, of my education and development at this p particular company. And it was just like, uh, you know, a rat. It was just, it was just, I was just monotony every day. It was the same thing. So I just picked up my bags and walked out. And that's when I lost everything because I was living a, a relatively high uh, lifestyle because I was getting paid really well. And uh, I went to Craigslist and, and I just, the projects that kept coming across my, my, um, you know, my screen were, you know, job, op uh, job opportunities that included music in some way. So I ended up taking a, a concert for like a hundred bucks. Lil Wayne happened to be the headlining act <laughs> and I cut that up and music videos kind of just presented itself with, with what I was putting out there. My right, whole, right. my whole, um, still to this day, I still, you know, I, I still love narratives and that's where I want to, um, you know, I want to end up, but, uh, the opportunity presented itself. And I think why a lot of people do music videos is a few different reasons. One, because they're quick, you know, when you're working on a movie, you might have months and months of pre-production and obviously as an independent filmmaker, you got to find the finances first. So there's a huge amount of time that's almost in your mind you're not working you know what i mean you don't you're not moving you don't feel like yep. things are moving music videos are so fast-paced you're able to work on your craft you're able to implement some um elements of storytelling or at least you know some cinematic things however you can you can manage to put that in there if you can and so you know it, it definitely uh it, it brings you a lot of attention as well so there's there's you know that was the reason why i, I dove right into it and it, you know, it, but it also on the, on the other side, flip side, you know, it has some, some, uh, tendencies to kind of pigeonhole some people. So it just, uh, it was an opportunity to present itself and I'm really, I'm a horrible dancer, but I'm really good with, um, tempo and pacing of, of editing and shooting. So I think that was something that really kind of fit, uh, with music videos. And, um, when I, when I teamed up with DJ ski and we created ski TV, one of the first YouTube channels, we were a marketing company, but the way that we were able to um, attract, you know, our commercial work was by the numbers that we were uh, generating from our music videos because we were able to premiere them on our channel back then. Vivo wasn't even out. And so we were able to premiere these big music videos. Then we would leverage all those views and those analytics to go get, um, you know, a, a, a BlackBerry account or a, uh, you know, a, the new car that was coming out, get their commercial accounts. So um, so we use it as leverage and that's kind of still what I do today. And, and it's a great opportunity for, you know, to get your name out there. Amazing. Did you ever end up like, uh, making anything of that little Wayne cut that you put together for your first concert? Oh, absolutely. I took it. So at first they didn't want to let us shoot, but, um, I, I just begged him, please let me shoot. I ended up editing like three or four concert videos for them to allow me to shoot, uh, for, for his promotional tour that he was going on in uh, Europe. Um, so they let me shoot it just so that I, I would basically give him free work. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, um, which was fine. I, I completely, uh, was happy to do that. that. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it was a great opportunity. So I took it home from San Diego that night. I drove home, I don't know, maybe one or two in the, two in the morning. I edited it that night. I still had to import the tapes cause back then it was, you know, mini DV tapes, hmm. imported the tapes. I edit, I cut up the video of, uh, with some, some split screens and color correction and things that people weren't really doing at the time. This was 2007. So YouTube was barely starting to get its, get its wheels. And I put it up the next day as little Wayne gossip official music video. And I think by the following day, it had a million views. Um, and that's how DJ ski ended up reaching out and, and we connected and, and, um, joined forces. And then within, I think a, a month and a half, two months, I was shooting game featuring Travis Barker, dope boys, and it came from <laughs> it came from that video, you know. Wow, that's it came from awesome, a little Wayne man. concert. That, yeah, that's incredible. That you you know were just shooting concert footage that you really took 
to, you know, that task in yourself to go out and make something really special of. Oh, and, and the really funny or the really like strange, not even strange, but the, the, the thing about this was that the actual uh, job for this, for this uh, piece was, you know, the, like the opening act of the opening act of the opening act, which I was getting paid a hundred dollars to shoot. And it just, you know, it just so happened that this opportunity presented itself. He didn't tell me that little Wayne was the, the headlining act. He just said, Hey, can you come and film my concert? Here's a hundred bucks. It's in San Diego. Find a way to get here. I said, no problem. And then it turned into, and turned into an opportunity for me elsewhere. What's up, y'all? We want to bring you our sponsor of the day, which is Artlist. It's a really easy and simple way to find high-quality music. They have one easy pricing model, which includes $199 for the entire year. It includes unlimited downloads, one worldwide license that's royalty-free, and new music is added daily. It's a phenomenal resource that would take your videos to the next level, and you can get two months free by signing up today using our link in bio or the link in our show notes. Use Artlist to elevate your music, take your videography business to the next level, and get started today with Artlist. So can you talk a little bit more maybe about, uh, maybe you have another example of how you saw, you know, maybe a a smaller opportunity or something that um, might not seem to have a lot of potential, but you see the bigger picture in Mm -hmm. in how you might be able to use that opportunity to benefit your career or Mm -hmm. learn more, et cetera. Do you you have another example of something like that? Trying to think. I mean, to be honest, the first year of my my career after the Lil Wayne um, concert video came out and I got those million views, I got onto uh, I connected with DJ Ski. We were over at Ski TV. We were a startup company and we had to take, uh, we had to be very strategic about the moves that we made. So every opportunity came with a huge potential on the back end. So that's why we did it. If we couldn't, if we couldn't analyze to see if it was going to make a bigger move on the, on the, on the backside, then we wouldn't do it no matter the budget, because we would much rather take a smaller budget than, and, and have it have more opportunity in the back end than, than, than the other. And I have right. to give it to, to DJ Ski because he really taught me that he was a marketing kind of genius guru. So he really told me, he really taught me to look at the bigger picture. And I would say for that first year, I worked for relatively free. I mean, maybe a thousand dollars here and there, you know, from some of these videos, but I put any of the budget that I was getting right back into the videos because I knew it was going to help me down the road. Um, and even today I still take some, some jobs where, uh, it's more for, you know, the long-term moves, you know, it's a, it's a chess game, you know, not, not absolutely. Yeah. And so, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and everything is like that. It's just, it's just kind of, you know, you help me, I help you. I mean, obviously you have to be very cautious about, you know, not helping the same person, but you have to be analytical in the sense of not just doing jobs for free, but doing jobs where it's like, I know I have one in the pocket or you communicate with that person, what you're going to expect on the backside. And so, it, or, or if it's the artist, like the little Wayne thing, or, or I think I'm trying to think of, um, trying to think, um, I can't really remember off the top of my head, but there's been a couple of videos where the budgets were really okay. Common Nas, the budget was $5,000, but it was common in Nas. And at that time, obviously there were, you know, established artists that were, had heavy careers. And so I'm like, absolutely. I'm going to do it. I didn't take a penny from the job. I put all the money right back into the video because I knew it was going to, you know, give me, you know, give me some uh, attention and, and keep my name circulating in the circles I wanted it to. And, you know, and then I got a few more jobs with that um, commissioner, obviously, and, and was able to leverage 
um, that opportunity into more. So, you know, you have to do that as a filmmaker. It has to be strategic, but you also have to have the end, the end goal in mind. So you do, you do have that bigger picture. You're not just looking at like a big wide map of nothing. Um, (laughs) But unfortunately, I think a lot of, a lot of the young filmmakers, they want to have, they want to do something cool, but then it's like, well, what then after that? And Mm -hmm. is that thing that you're doing cool? Is that in line with the rest of your career, the rest of your, you know, five, 10 year plan? And, um, right, and right. you have to just ask yourself, you have to just examine all those things because you can make something cool, but then, you know, how do you live? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. How right. many videos do you think you made before you got your first like big video? Ooh. So I would say, I would say somewhere around about 50, 50 to 80. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's music videos, pr- promos. Um, back then MySpace was big. So it was like, you know, MySpace videos, I was just doing any opportunity I possibly could. I mean, even in film school, what I would do is I would re-edit some of the other director's footage that was already done. Project was done just so I could play, I could master the, the tools that I was going to need to, to carry on the rest of my career. So I took every opportunity to like better myself. And that's why I was a big advocate of film school, not necessarily for what you're going to learn there, but the, the fact that you get a, you get the reps and you get to work out the kinks before mm-hmm. you have a client you know, and a brand in your hands. So, you know, there's a lot of young filmmakers who've, uh, I got to give them a lot of credit. They've been very, very successful with, you know, the, the route that they've taken. So, you know, I got, I got to shout them out and it's a great thing, but I also feel like there's some uh, filmmakers who maybe need to develop their style a little bit more and kind of get some of those reps in before they, they, they jump out there. Because once you, once you kind of build a, you know, establish a, your, your kind of, once you kind of have a bad mark on your, on your record, it, it doesn't, it doesn't tend to leave too too yeah, quickly. Not in this so, industry. Yeah, exactly. Cancel culture. So if you can get those no out, I, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Matt, so you've done some huge videos. I want to talk to you about first the first big video you did and how you got that, and then I will also want to follow up with asking about what was the biggest video you've done. So let's first start with your first big video and how that opportunity came about and how you prepared for it as an up and coming filmmaker getting ready to, you know, hit on their first big video. Well, I think, I mean, I think big video was the one that I kind of just mentioned. I think, um, I'm trying to think, I think I had one more before that, which was the clips or Cardinal official featuring the clips, which was, uh, from Interscope, but then the game featuring Travis Barker was obviously yeah, that one. That was a big video for me. I got the opportunity um, through the Little Wayne thing, teaming up with DJ Ski, creating Ski TV. DJ Ski had a, re- um, a really strong connection with Chris Clancy over at Interscope, who was the marketing director. He was actually working on a lot of Eminem's projects, and he is now uh, Tyler, the creator, and Odd Future, Frank Ocean, all, all their managers, and he owns the label with them. But at the time, he was over at Interscope. And so uh, we didn't even go to the video commissioners. He, he had... A relationship with ski and he just said hey you guys want to shoot this video because it's a it's a b-side record the label doesn't want to shoot it i'll give you guys 20 grand which at the time was absolutely nothing to them it was like you know it was a craft service budget and obviously we said absolutely and so when he told me we were gonna be shooting that video i, I was excited i mean i had practiced and i had so many reps um leading up to this that i it was just like i was ready for I was ready to shine. I was ready for my opportunity. I was like, finally, even though I really hadn't, you know, as far as professionally, I hadn't been out there too long, but I was ready to go. I was ready to go. And so what I did was I ended up writing a humongous shot list in preparation. The way that they teach us to write shot lists in film school for feature films 
and it was just over the top. Um, you know, and I, I showed up with like a like a full book. I mean, it was thick. I don't remember how many pages. And I'm trying to go over it with game, and he just he just looked at me like I was I was the craziest little dude. He was like, what? <laughs> he just he he put my hand on it. He put my he kind of he closed it, and he's like, "Where do you want me to stand?" And, uh, <laughs> oh, bro. <laughs> yeah. Oh, after that, great. I was I was like, oh, "Okay, I got to be a little bit more flexible. I got to have these 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 um you know these shot lists kind of ingested and digested already, and then be able to just kind of be more of a." flexible and not look like a school school bookworm yeah. over here on set but um but that's kind of how I prepared for it and um and at the time you know I, it was my first video so I didn't have a, like a crew I had started working with these guys who had camera equipment and I was a director so we just you know they were a, a DP um camera operator uh, first AC they all wanted to do other things besides direct they were like a, a group of guys who were all living in like one apartment and they were looking for a director they had done a, a hundred free videos as well that's and so backwards <laughs> yeah 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 so they, they were looking for <laughs> they were looking for a director i was looking for a crew uh, a, a rap artist actually put us to, put us on a three-way call and then we um we we connected and so we got two reds, which we were the first ones to shoot music videos on the reds, the red ones. Wow. Uh, the, these guys, these guys happened to work at a rental house and the rental house was the first one uh, in, in LA to even get these things. And they didn't know how to use them. So they were like, Hey, you kids go figure these things out. So they would let, they would let them take them out for really, really cheap. And that's why we used them. That's awesome. So we had two, two red cook lenses and you know, a bunch of young, I mean, we were all 21, 22 years old. And then I think a few guys were even 18, 19 that were on the grip side. So we were just young kids and we just, um, we went and did it and it was an amazing experience. And, uh, and then the video did really well. Uh, game didn't really like me too, too much on set. He, not that he didn't like me, but he was like, who is this little fresh face, mm -hmm. you know, five foot, nothing dude, <laughs> pulling out a, pulling out a book, you know, uh, trying to think he's directing a movie. And, yeah. um, but after that video came out, it got a lot of positive, um, you know, positive attention and, 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 and he, he understood that I. I could do do some magic, so it was it was it was good all in all. I brought my parents to that video. It was a it was a big day, so it yeah. was it was exciting. That is exciting for oh, sure. Yeah. It's it's nice to look back on those videos. Now uh, let's move on to your biggest video. You know, and what that experience was like, and you know how you felt, how you how you prepared for that, and uh, what that might be. Do you mean biggest budget or like biggest artist? Whatever, or? whatever you think is your biggest. We don't need to go by budget if that doesn't make sense. I know mm -hmm. you worked with Bieber. I know you worked with, you know, lots yeah. of others. The Bieber video was a video where they came to me last minute. The budget was really small. So it was a video where I saw the big picture, like we were talking about earlier. It was something that I obviously was not going to pass up on <laughs> and mm -hmm. and i knew that it was going to it was going to open you know open up a lot of doors and opportunities but the audience that this kid has is insane i think i was trending on twitter for like a week at that time because he because you know crazy. yeah that's just the type of uh, fans he had wow. so that opportunity was was a big one i didn't get too much time to prep for it i, I brought in a new dp at the time who was a big dp who was doing um, uh, my production company, not my production company, but the production company I was working with at the time, uh, Happy Place, do, doing them a solid. And he obviously, you know, Bieber, he, he jumped on the opportunity as well. And we, um, so I didn't get too, I, I wasn't able to get nervous, you know, and I, to be honest, mm -hmm. I'm not really nervous with musical talents. Uh, Cause for me, it's like, I'm working for them. I want them, I want their video to be the best 
for them and that's my job so i can't really get starstruck but um but i was a little starstruck when i met him at first you know but then i realized oh man he's he's just obviously just like us but he's he was a kid i mean he was really young and he was really he was really excited to be there and shooting and it was his first rap video his first rap song and in the first time he kind of took his shirt off and the first time he was kind of you know acting like a like a teenager and so so that was um that was fun um but oh you know all in all it was just a fun fun experience and um the only tough thing was that at the time he hadn't done any of uh, you know he hadn't really shown this side of his personality so so his manager scooter was he was he would tell me and you know pull me aside and he would say yeah go ahead and shoot this but we're not using it and he told he told that to me for about 90% of the takes. So <laughs> by the end of the day, I'm like looking over my shoulder going, what are we going to use for this video? We don't want to use anything. <laughs> but then he, you know, he didn't tell Justin that. So when I sent the edit with like the three takes I could use, Justin obviously wasn't happy because he, you know, he'd taken his shirt off the whole day and he's like, why do I have a shirt on in this whole edit, you know? <laughs> and so, so I had to work that out with him and, and kind of, uh, you know, just smoothed it out, but uh, that was the only tricky part of that whole scenario. Right. But that's you tough. Know. But that's that's so, what happens, you know. So especially with a you know a situation like that, you know what what tips do you have for young filmmakers that are looking to work with uh, you know bigger artists or bigger projects? Well, the tips are a little bit different. Than, I think. Uh, so the tips that I have to work with bigger artists is um, pick the best songs and be very selective about what you shoot. Um, you know, and you have to, you have to, in your mind, you know, you have to train your mind to, to see, to break up the projects into two different categories. One, uh, this is a, like a, a, a money project, meaning like it's a good opportunity budget wise. I can make some money. I can cover my bills for a couple months. I can put some money into savings. I'm not in love with the project. I'm not in love with the song or whatever the case may be, but you're going to take it because it's, it's an opportunity that's going to, um, allow you the freedom to work on some maybe some smaller projects where the artist is bigger or the song you believe in more than 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 others um and then there's going to be the other projects which are those ones which are the projects where maybe the song you believe is going to go far which for me really helped me out the first year of my career we picked based on projects not based on budgets we didn't really care about that we you know so tj ski had an ear for music i think i had a i have a knack for music as well and we picked out songs that were number one hits you know so fly, fly like a g6 you're a jerk um I, it go, list goes on but that really helped me that really really helped me those budgets were a lot smaller than some of the other opportunities we were getting but that propelled me into this into to the next you know category if you will of of directors and then it brought a lot more opportunities for me then to to, to pick from so i think if you're able to because a lot, of, a lot of times as filmmakers, we want to make the best project regardless. And sometimes it it might be the best just to, you know, to shoot what they want, make the best project for the client, deliver it, and, you know, and, and give you some freedom to shoot some things that maybe don't have a budget. Or maybe you need to put a little bit of money into because you believe in this right. artist or this artist is gaining traction or whatever the case may be. Because if you want to be a music video director, you have to have your your ear to the pavement. You need to know who the next, not the next up and comers are in like the, the magazines before they get to that. You need to start doing your research yeah. on new, new artists that are in development who are gaining traction on, you know, Spotify or, or SoundCloud. And then take those bigger jobs, maybe corporate jobs or whatever the case may be, some, some square jobs that you really don't like, but do those as 
as work because, you know, we do have to do some things we don't like. I mean, we, we have to survive, but that's going to free up a lot of opportunity. You, you can contact one of these SoundCloud rappers that maybe you like or you believe in and say, hey, I got a thousand bucks. I want to put some money into this song, you know, and, and then who knows what, you know, what could happen from there. But you have to, you have to, you have to find a way to make these opportunities present themselves to you or like you have to go open up the door yourself, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's the advice I'd give there. You got to do the research, it, you know, man. if we've talked you about it to. on this season of it's like, you're, you got to invest in that process as well. You know, when you find that up and coming talent, like make it happen, go out there and, you know, try and get that video done at any cost necessary. And, and also any make cost. sure that it's, you know, within the direction that you're looking to go as a filmmaker, you know, if you're looking to go more hip hop and whatnot, find those artists that are about to break and get in with them and be their guy. Yep. And that's, that's, I think that's a little tough too for, you know, cause when you're just kind of moving as a youngster, you know, if you're not able to look at the big picture, you're just kind of taking, you know, you're, you're pulled in every direction and every direction looks, uh, you know, like gold, everything looks shiny, you know, at first. So you might no. hear in there. And, and the thing is that you can cross genres, you can do that, but you know, you know, definitely figure out what you want to do. And, and wise, if you want to shoot, you know, narratives, then you know, like my, my first couple of years, a lot of my videos are really, I wouldn't say narrative based. Like there's these whole grand, you know, you know, uh, storylines, big movies. Yeah. But there's, there's definitely narratives there, you know, and then as budgets begin to get smaller or, or sometimes like, like ghetto dreams, for instance, I got called with 30 minutes notice, you know? So it was just like, show up to the studio. Um, uh, same with the Bieber video. So you have to make some, some, Jeez. some, some performance videos. That was like a day in, in advance. But, um, and so what do you do at that point? You make a, you make a performance-based video, but, um, right. if you want to do, you know, just, just like you said, Jay, just, just can, um, just can, you know, try to, try to implement whatever you can into that, uh, in, you know, the, the style that you're going into your, into your videos. Um, and going back to your point about, uh, artists, when I first got here after the little Wayne thing, I, he, little Wayne's manager called me and invited me to go out to the lollipop video which was his new single at the time in Las Vegas. And I met Tyga, Schoolboy Q, Kendrick the, uh, on that set. And they were, I mean, they were little guys. I mean, I'm talking, you know, mixtape dudes. And, and so when we got to back, to back to LA, I was shooting all their content. I have a box full of mini DB tapes. I'm talking like 100, wow. 100, 200 little videos. And I was with those guys all the time, you know, before they were anybody. I remember when Kendrick changed his name from KDOT to Kendrick. And we actually shot a video that day, um, in, you know, just in the alley behind the, behind, uh, my buddy Rev, uh, behind his house. And we just shot it in the alley and stuff. And so like, but I, I believed in these guys, they were dope. They were the youngsters. I was the youngster. So we were like, yeah, let's just, let's just, uh, ride this thing out. We shot it all for free. We got like 200 views on YouTube, but obviously I developed those relationships with artists who now are, you know, megastars. Mm -hmm. So incredible. So, I mean, you've been shooting music videos for 10 years now, you know, like how have you seen the music industry change during that time? The biggest way I've seen it change, obviously, well, I think budget wise, but I think it went, it went in a V curve. I think it went down a little bit. They started seeing less, uh, maybe less um, results. Yeah, exactly. Less results. And people were just getting, you know, it was just getting too muddled and, muck, you know, so now then the creativity started getting going back up. And I think um, I got to give credit to all the filmmakers out there for really, you know, pushing the boundaries and then, you know, kind of stay, sticking to their guns. And because and, it only happens by filmmakers either passing on jobs or, you know, doing things like that for them to finally say, okay, fine, we're going to, you know, go ahead and shoot this. And then people start racing the bar and then other artists start saying, I want this type of video, not this type of video. So it was definitely 
you know, the people out there who, who are able to make that change. And um, so I think budget wise and the budgets are, are starting to pick back up with this new wave of creativity. And so the opportunities are out there and the music industry has changed, obviously giving more, um, more of the financial and just control to the, to the actual artists themselves. You know, rarely do I even um, work with video commissioners anymore, just because I, I'm kind of sticking away from big label videos with COVID and everything. But um but, you know, the artists themselves will just reach out to me and, and you know, with with uh, publishing deals and everything that they're doing with distribution companies, you know, they either pay themselves or the distribution company will pay. So it's um, it's a lot it's a lot more uh, it's a lot quicker and it's a lot more direct. And so um, that's uh, it's a great opportunity for all the filmmakers out there. And yeah, obviously there's there's times and artists are not the best about budgets, but uh, if you can build a relationship with them and and develop that out, then, you know, they'll trust you and. I mean, just giving you one video, if you think about it from like, uh, you know, take a step back, this brand, this artist is, is trusting you with everything that they have, you know, they're really trusting you with their name, their brand to, you know, to take, the, you know, to, to bring that to the screen. So it yeah. is a huge responsibility and, um, and they are trusting you. And they need results. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, that's our job. You know what I mean? And that's, that's a little tough for the young filmmakers. I find a lot of them want, want to, you know, have these ideas or they have, they want to work with this cool equipment. And it's like, that doesn't really matter unless it fits the actual brand and what the brand wants as far as you know, what, what, the, what the results of the video need to be, you know? So if they can understand that, it'll help them out um, a lot more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Completely agree. So, you know, Matt, can you talk a little bit more maybe about uh, the importance of adaptability and can you reference oh, yeah. maybe a time in your career where, you know, you had to make a big shift uh, in the direction you were taking, um, or maybe it's just a specific situation, but would love to hear your thoughts on that mm. and just the importance of it. And when you're pursuing a career, you know, in, in the filmmaking industry. Absolutely. So, I mean, flexibility is, <laughs> it is key. I mean, it's it's one of the most important aspects. I think uh, maybe characteristics that you need to have, you need to embody, you need to learn, develop because Nothing's ever going to go as planned. Obviously, I think most of us know that um, now, maybe with our age, <laughs> sign of my age. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, even on all the way down to like on set, you know, I would say 99% of my videos, no, I'll say 100% of my videos have not gone as I've planned exactly, you know, whether mm -hmm. it's the artist showing up late, the artist needing to leave, the artist not even coming <laughs> or, <laughs> um, you know, little Wayne for the celebration video showed up three days late. Um, so oh my God. and each day we, each day we, I didn't I mean, each day the record label paid for a full, full crew and full cast to be there. So we were just, we just waited for, you know, two, two days on top of the actual big shoot day with all the other artists. Finally he came. So you talk about flexibility when, you know, you have to be very flexible. A lot of times what I'll do is I'll develop just kind of a, an outline of what I want the video to, to look like. I've tried to lock in like actual, you know, full on shot lists or full on ideas. And that just never seems to work out exactly how I want to. So if you don't have that idea of, of what to do uh, next or what to do, if then, you know, you kind of, you kind of get frustrated and it's going to leave you with half a video. Luckily for me, I'm an editor. So I think any directors out there who, um, who don't edit, I would take a, 
you know, a look into just learning about editing, learning about the process, learning about how, how to think mentally like an editor, maybe, because that's really helped me on set. If, hey, this artist is going to be late, no problem. Let's go with a 50 millimeter, bring this artist over, bring this into, you know, let's, let's shoot some shots of this, whatever the case may be. I'm always, I'm always able to improvise and find something that, um, that I'm going to use and keep, keep the day moving. So I think that's, um, crucial. And then for your career, I think you just have to, um, reevaluate constantly and understand that things are going to change. It's okay. If you wanted to be a, I don't know, a, you know, a, a commercial director, but now you maybe want to go into concerts or something. It's okay, but just reevaluate that so that you can make that shift in all the other projects and, and start guiding, you know, your, your decision-making towards that, that new, that new goal. So, um, but you have to be flexible. Nothing goes as planned. Um, and nothing's promised, you know, sometimes when I was really young, yeah. uh, in my early days, I would, I would get a budget and I'd be like, okay, I have, I have two videos and I'm going to get, you know, this much money. I'd kind of pay the, pay my rent in my mind. And then those videos would maybe not come to fruition. And then I'm still, and then you're stuck there with, you know, you're, you're mentally paid rent, but you mm -hmm. really pay rent. Yeah. And so you, you begin to, to understand, yo, okay, like, yo, you know, yo. it's, everything's flexible, everything. So, you know, and you have to be able to mold, you have to be able to not be so, you know, concrete or else you know, everything, everybody and everything, the whole, the whole industry is just going to kind of leave you, leave you behind. Yeah. Uh, Matt, what are some areas outside of videos, like actually creating videos that content creators should focus on, you know, like it should be, should it be the business knowledge? Should it be building a social media channel? Like, what do you think are some other areas that complement being a content creator that go nicely with each other? It depends. So it depends if they want to, to do everything themselves. If they want to do everything themselves, then I suggest you listen to and, and read everything that you guys put out because JJ is the mastermind when it comes to business. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> you know, like he, he is that guy. And, but if you don't, if you want to, if you don't want to do that and you want to focus on just the creative part, then, then team up with JJ and have him do all your business <laughs> stuff. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll find, or go find somebody who, who's able to be a partner that you trust that can, that can handle that side. Cause it is tough, you know, um, so I think you should either learn that or learn or, or find, um, find places where you can meet these people, meet these type of people to develop relationships with them. Um, for me, my, my biggest, um, you know, my biggest thing to do outside of filmmaking is research into human psychology, which is kind of, it goes hand in hand with marketing. Um, it really just kind of studies the, you know, our, the human you know, what, what, who we are and humans and how we act and why we act the way we do. And, and that really helps you when it comes to not only directing your talent, but then also understanding how the audience is going to interpret the footage that you're putting on the screen, which is going to help you in the end results of, of, you know, whatever it is that you want there. It, Cause if you don't understand the way that the audience is going to perceive it, you just only think about the way you perceive it. I mean, there's always a mix, a, a mix match there because they don't know what you know. So you really need to understand how the audience is going to feel and, and what they're, what they're, um, you know, what's going through their mind as they're watching your piece. And, you know, that's a little hard for the young filmmakers to understand, you know, so, you know, they, they just look at, you know, transitions and, and new, new cameras, yep. <laughs> but, but if you can really, you know, look into some, some, some psychology and just kind of like human development or, you know, how humans perceive color. I mean, just simple things like that will really, really, really help you. So then you know what gels to use or what color lighting to use or what it's going to represent and just little things like that, you know, because that really goes a long way, um, overall in, in the big scheme of things. And then it just, it sets you up for, you know, just to, just to understand things and understand yourself a little bit better. Um, and then, you know, be prepared for, for other, you know, other 
highs and lows that are going to come uh, in your future because they are going to come absolutely going to come you know so so yeah that's what i would say i mean the social media channels i can't really i mean i would say that needs to go kind of hand in hand with what you know that's kind of part of your um part of your duties as a as a content creator as a director is to market yourself i mean because if you can't market yourself really well then how you know how does a brand trust you i guess mm-hmm. um unless unless yep. you're able to unless you're able to do the things um with a manager or a, you know a, a director's rep and allow them to do everything and then kind of keep your stuff you know um, subdue and and just kind of you know personal that's totally cool too but just um understanding whatever avenue you're going to take and then um just giving that full full go but I think, yeah, for, for most of us in, you know, independent um, directors and content creators, your marketing has to be up to par with anything else, because that's just what these days people are judging you and rating you on. Absolutely. And, you know, when you're thinking about, uh, you know, being an independent director, you know, or or the idea of working with labels, what, what, what are your thoughts on that, Matt? You know, ever, you know, having your career now 10, 10 years in the industry um, working with labels, working with various artists. What's, what's your experience like? And, and what are your thoughts for young filmmakers out there? For me, fortunately, I've been very, very fortunate to work, um, in a couple different formats, uh, over at ski, we were a marketing company. I was a head of production part owner. And so I was in, you know, a lot of direct contact with the, the heads over at video commissioners, heads of, uh, certain labels, things like that. That was, that was awesome, but it was a, a little bit too much business responsibilities for my liking. Um, then when I right. left Ski TV, I got a, uh, a director's rep, a director's rep and a production company, uh, Happy Place. And then Jamie Conrabino over at Hello. Uh, or she has Lark now. Um, Lark Creative is her company now. She was my rep. It was like me, Nabil, Taj, and I don't know, uh, Rojas, I believe. I, I don't, I'm trying to remember who else we had, but she was my, my director's rep. And so she just would bring in any opportunities that... Um, bring in big opportunities and then leverage anything that I was doing or any, anything that I was, um, you know, like if I was doing a job with game, then she would go talk to the commissioner and get other jobs from Interscope. So that really, I mean, that was, you know, you have somebody basically being your cheerleader, being your hype man, um, you know, 24 hours a day. So that really helped. Obviously they take their percentage. So that's that side of it as well, but, um, it's, it's a whole, a whole different Avenue. And then having a production company, being the middleman allows you as a director just to focus on being a director and they really handle all the production side of it. So you're not worried about anything like that. They're just kind of bringing you options and then you're picking which one you want to go with. Um, so there is that route, which is, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's luxury, you know? Um, but it does take, um, you know, a big demand on your part, like as far as creating a demand for your name so that these companies not only want to work with you, but want to work for you because a lot of times directors sign with these companies and they may have 20, 30, 40 directors on their, on their um, roster. And so obviously the, the top ones eat first. So it's not always the best scenario unless you're in high demand and then they're going to work for you. So you need to create that demand outside of it. And then as an independent filmmaker, obviously you're going to make a little bit more money. You're going to be a little bit more flexible. You're going to be able to kind of make your own moves and, um, but at the same time, you have to put a little bit more work in where you're gonna have to bring in producers and, and kind of, you know, man, a few more hats. So I think you have to just figure out whatever, whatever works for you. And then like, like we've been talking about this entire pod, whatever the long-term goal is, cause if the long-term goal is not to be a big music video director, then maybe don't spend too much time, you know, looking for a director's rep and all these things, right? Like 
just just get whatever that you're going to get from the music videos, whether it's experience, whether it's just getting your name out there. Then if it's getting your name out there, take a little bit of that money, pay a publicist to write a couple articles for each music video you do. However, whatever route that see that you see fit, but make sure that it's it's benefiting you um, in in every aspect of of you know all the hard work that you're doing. Make sure it's going somewhere. So. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's just really up to the filmmaker and the whole thing is being able to see the big picture, you know, and it's not just that one cool project Absolutely. or I want to work with the techno crane or I want to have right. a, a, you know, robot arm or something. It's like, okay, well, what after that? That's the, you know, you're going to have that, you're going to get that, you know, but what, what happens after that, you know? So. Definitely. Definitely. When thinking about the future, how can content creators position themselves to succeed in the future in, you know, developing and, and running a, a video production business? Well, I think nowadays there's so many opportunities. I mean, whether it's kind of having, you know, kind of like what you guys are doing, having a podcast on, on the side, having um, uh, digital products, having physical products, just creating other opp opportunities for revenue to come into, you know, come into uh, your career. You know, like it definitely helps out a lot. But um, and I think I think it's it's almost almost uh, required at this point just to be able to maintain and, and and then be able to pick the projects you want to work on because you can you can spin your wills for a long time as a content creator if you just take jobs that are um primarily based on budget which they're most likely not going to be fun jobs you know are jobs that you're really passionate about it's really hard to find a passionate a project that you're passionate about that you believe in and the budget is is good as well you know so i think that right, right. I, I think that you have to be able to be you have to really understand what it's going to take as well, you know, and, and, and be able to commit to that 110% as far as sacrificing things, being flexible on, on opportunities, whatever the case may be. I think it's the only way you're really going to make it as a content creator. And then you have to just make it, you know, I think you have to develop your, your style. Uh, somebody that I can reference is, um, what's the kid that was doing the concert videos? Um, Richie. Is it? Uh, no, he was a, it was a Gibson hazard. There you go. Gibson hazard. He developed his style. He stayed committed to his style. He didn't do anything that he's that, killing it. He didn't, he, but he, but for, I mean, I would assume for a little while, I mean, when I saw him, I, I believe I remember oh, the little pump concert, but I'm sure that he had done things before that, but from the little pump concert to like when he did the first commercial, it was, I don't know, a year and a half to, you know, but he stuck to his guns. He never put anything out that wasn't his style. So he developed his style and then he stuck to it and he said, I'm going to wait until like, you know, until they come knocking at my door and they obviously did. And now he's doing his thing, but he never, you know, he never ventured off into, into anything other than his style. He didn't take another job just to take it. Maybe he did, but he just didn't put his, you know, he didn't brand it. And then that was smart, you know? So, um, right, right. so there's, you know, and he's been able to, you know, I'm sure he can, he can have a class now. He can put out products. He can do whatever he wants if he ever wants to do that, but he's created those opportunities. So, um, just by just focusing on one thing, sticking to his guns and riding that wave out, you know? Um, so I think there's a plenty of opportunities. And, and, uh, I also feel like for me, I think one of the, the biggest piece of advice I could give for young content creators or, or to them would be to try to find a mentor. And I don't mean a mentor. A lot of, I think the, the word mentor these days is not, um, doesn't have the same definition. I think people need to look at the definition. I mean, it's really, you have to be able to give back, you give to them as they give to you. You know, a lot of people want to mentor for like a couple of days and then they want to just like, okay, cool. You know, but it's like, no, if you're able to, if you're, I mean, for me, when I was in film school, you know, bringing coffees, being a PA, be, you know, working your way up through the ladder was going to, and still today, if, if you're able to do that, it's going to allow you, a, a, you know, a Rolodex of not only contacts, but just job opportunities and 
and you know the whole business from whatever company or, or director that you're or producer that you're working with i mean if you can have somebody come in and really kind of work their way up the ladder they can trust you then they're going to give you everything they're going to unlock the keys and and say all right well you know i'm going to stamp you as as you know as my protege or my or part of my company and now all the opportunities and resources are yours as well so i think that's a great opportunity you just have to be patient you know, a lot of a lot of a lot of the young filmmakers they want to have their own YouTube, they want to start their own business, they want to have, you know, their own twelve Instagram channels with one follower. It's like, yo, just chill, just chill. You know, like you're gonna get there. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, so that's one thing I I I I do stress a lot. But um, yeah, that's that's what I would yeah, say. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Is like, don't spread yourself too Ooh. thin. Like you're right. Like yeah. so many young content creators are trying to do so much at the same time, and it's like. Being a content creator in itself is so much, you know, let alone <laughs> doing YouTube videos and 10 Instagram channels and products and everything else. It's you got to like really focus on what you want to do and where you want to go and really Absolutely. nail that, create that brand and bring it to life and uh, and just instill all that into everything you do for sure. Yeah, um, you only have so much energy, you know, you yeah. have so much energy. So if you're putting... You can't put 100% into everything. People are like, well, I can multitask. I can do all these things. You can't. And if you look at the people, well, such and such did it. But if you actually look at that, most of the people who are successful, who have a lot of different branches, it was one thing that got them the opportunity for all these other opportunities to, to you know, come mm-hmm. to fruition. So they weren't, right. they weren't five different things. They were one thing. And then once they got to that level of mastery or whatever the case may be, then they were able to basically just by default have these other opportunities come to them or, or you know, open up. So if people can, can do exactly as you said, JJ, just really tighten down, figure out what they want to do and then give that, you know, 100%, then they will be much better off. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Matt, how important do you think cameras are these days now that they're all so great? <laughs> um, me personally, like I'm a personal question. Yeah. Like a per- yeah. Uh, okay. Well, honestly, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't think they're very important as far as uh, for me. I mean, I, you can give me a cell phone and, uh, and I'll make something amazing with it just because I believe in my talent. I believe in my, my skills and I, and I understand um, psychology and just like the way that because what really moves people is some a stories, storytelling. We obviously, we know that, you know, and so w- what it's shot on or how big it is or what pixels or, you know, what all these other little things, they, they don't matter. I mean, right. they really don't matter at all. And, um, and to me, to me, like, I know that cause I went to film school. I learned story for three years. I graduated as a feature film director. So obviously story and development and all this stuff was, I mean, was the largest part of my education. So I understand that people's emotions can be shifted. And the, the whole reason that we shoot is for, for people to learn something. I mean, that was the, 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 the reason why we tell stories is so that people can learn from these stories, what, what to do or what not to do, you know? And so if you can give somebody a cathartic release, uh, then you've achieved a, 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 you know, a memorable piece of content. And you can do that with any device that, will allow you to shoot a picture, you know, or, or shoot images or, or, or um, visuals. So for me, cameras are not that important, you know, um, but I cannot seem to tell that, to, to get that through to a lot of the youngsters because, well, uh, well, I have an AK camera. Does, mm-hmm. does that shoot stories too? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I think, I think that's, it's kind of only happened with like the Instagram culture or maybe it's the YouTube as well. Like everybody's always trying to like, you know, and it's like my computer couldn't even handle an AK camera, let alone like, you know, 
some of these other young filmmakers, if you're a young filmmaker, you're, you know, like you shouldn't be out there buying a, you know, $10,000 camera, you know, with what kind of uh, settings is your computer? I mean, what do you need to have in your computer to run that properly? And all the other things that it's going to come, come with. So I think if people could just focus more on the storytelling and, and the, the psychology of what they're actually doing, what the job is that, you know, is actually requires of them, then uh, I think it'll help them out tremendously, you know, yeah. but the, the, ca the camera thing is, um, I don't know. I, I just don't know. They seem to really like it and really get a kick out of it. So I feel like it's more of like a tech side of it. Like, like, you know, like, I, I don't know. I don't know. People yeah, ask me about the set that my settings are this camera, this, ca I'm like, I don't even know what camera we used. I just, they just handed it to me and I shot. I, I yeah. don't really know. You know, <laughs> well, I think that's the I point is, it. yeah. it's just, there's so many amazing cameras that yeah. it's, it's about the results that you're getting, the stories that you're telling rather than what resolution you shoot it in these days. Oh, I mean, I mean, the cameras out there now are just phenomenal. And then if you, I mean, for me, what I tell young filmmakers is if you're going to buy anything, buy lenses because lenses are going to, they age like wine, right? Like, and then cameras age like cheese, you know what they I mean? Age like, like you. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, you got to stay fresh, you know, so, but, but, but the cameras, they just, I mean, they go, they're, they're, they're only hot for so long. I mean, it's really like they spoil like milk because as soon as you buy the like new camera, but then a new camera comes out people don't really want to rent your camera anymore or people don't, I mean, yet they will, but they will obviously want the newer camera. So you kind of like make yourself, it, it goes so rapidly. I've never bought a camera, a, like a cinema camera that myself, because I, I'd much rather just be able to use whatever is the newest one or whatever I can afford for that particular budget because it doesn't, it just doesn't, um, the value doesn't, you know, hold there. And then you can't ever the resale value, but lenses, lenses, if you can hold on to lenses for like 20 years, 30 years, then I mean, they're, they become vintage and, and even more, mm -hmm. um, more desired. So I think if anything, if there's any sort of investment to make it, it's not the camera. I know that it hurts. A lot of people <laughs> are probably throwing stuff at the speakers right now, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, lenses would be the thing to do. Love it, man. Um, you know, and, and as we're kind of working to wrap up here, Matt, I know you kind of just nailed on some things you might consider your one piece, but if you, if you had to talk to your younger self, What's, what's the one you know piece of advice you'd give yourself? My younger self. Well, the biggest piece of advice I'd tell my younger self would be to just, uh, at the time, oh, let's see. Yeah, just to, to let go of the ego. You know, I had a lot of, I wouldn't say like ego, like bravado ego, but I just, I, I was very stuck to my, like I was very rigid in my thinking and I was very like convicted on certain things. Like I always wanted, like I allowed the, like Twitter and, and all these like social media at the time to kind of like carry me. And so I was, uh, you know, it, it was just, it, which doesn't, doesn't suit you very well when you're, when you're need to take opportunities or need to take a step back to take five steps forward. Right. Like, you know, so that was like, right, the, right. like, just like the world does not revolve around you. Just chill. You're going to get plenty of opportunities, you know, and just, you know, just, just, just chill, just be, you know, just, just do your job and, um and don't worry about what other people think or, or, you know anything other other than than what your job is do your job go to bed you know enjoy your family and um and your relationships and your friendships and and that's about it you know let let the rest take care of itself so you know that that would be the biggest piece of advice is just to kind of chill um but you know as a young as a youngster you want things to happen and you want them to happen quickly so i do understand that that sort of feeling and you want you think if you have more control 
or you control everything that it will happen the way you want it to. And I think that's what I'm trying to say the most is I can try, I tried to control a lot of things. I try to, you know, but you, but it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter because we're really not in control of a lot of factors. So you have to just, you know, really, really do well and pick well with the ones that you do control. Um, and then let, let the rest um, control themselves, you know, that's deep. I love it. Do well, enjoy your well, family, be with your friends, Absolutely. make the most of your opportunities and you will be all right in the future. There you go. I like that that summary. That was that was brief. <laughs> that was beautiful. There we go. Muy breve. You're well, that is going to wrap up season one of Learn Videography, ladies and gentlemen. Ooh. Matt, thanks so much for helping us finish this session with uh, this season with a bang. Yes. Bang, sir. bang, bang, bang. <laughs> bow, bow. Yes. For our listeners, thanks for coming along for the ride. It's been an incredible season. And with listeners in over 100 countries, we've been thrilled with the response to the podcast so far. So thank you for listening to us each week, for sharing it with your friends, and we hope to catch you on season two of Learn Videography. For more information about the release date of season two, make sure you're following us on Instagram at Learn Videography. Also make sure you're following our special guest, Matt Alonzo, at Matt Alonzo, along with Kyle at Cal Visuals and myself at JJ Inglert. Otherwise, we hope to see you all around. And until then, this is Learn Videography signing out for the last time of season Ooh. one. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate, Appreciate you Thanks for coming on, Matt. Whew. Too much knowledge. Chill, y'all. Relax. It's going to be okay. We'll get through it together. <laughs> Let's go. Yo!